that uh, said that whatever your hand finds to do, to do it with all y'all your might. And I told you I didn't know the reference at that time. But I have, I have looked that up and uh, did this afternoon. I didn't look it up in time to get it on the, the paper. But and it tells us this, that you may not have the motivational gift of serving or ministry at that point, but all of us are to be involved in doing something. And the thing about it is, folks, if we're going to do anything for God to help the body of Christ, we've got to do it in this life. And that's just simple, isn't it? And that's what this scripture in Ecclesiastes, if you want to write this down, chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. In other words, if you're going to do something, you need to do it now. And too many of us, uh, we get caught up in this thing of procrastination. Uh, I do that from time to time and keep putting off. And, and I got picked out Sunday morning. I don't know if y'all picked that up or not of, of uh, starting stuff and not staying focused and getting it finished. Did y'all, I told, I told Luke, he, Mark said he was sitting at the back back there by the door, and I told Luke he was talking about him. But he, I knew who he was talking about. So uh, I'll be, I've only finished one thing this week. I only started one thing, and I finished it. I went fishing yesterday, and I came home. So we have it. All right, we're going to get back to this. In Romans chapter 12, we're going to read this full Scripture again because it's important. A lot of things in this Scripture here to help us understand that we've got to be all in. Not just part ways, but all in. And that's the reason the first sentence says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And that pretty well says that we need to understand that we need to be all in. Serving God is not a part-time thing. It's not a hobby we pick up and do a little bit and lay down. Serving God is 24-7, 365. And that 365 goes for three years, and then that fourth year it's 366. So, in other words, there's not a day off, not even when leap year comes. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has given to everyone, a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. And I sort of hesitated there because I wanted you to pick up on that. Many members in one body. We have close to 40 people in here tonight. Many members, one body. And we don't all have the same function. Now, they, they may be... Several that has the same function, but not all of us. Not all of us are, are involved in the ministry of the uh, of the prophetic or the minister of the prophet. Uh, we're not all involved in the ministry of helps. We're not all involved in the ministry of teaching. We're not all involved in the ministry of encouragement. But we're all involved in something, and all of it put together fits it together for the body. Okay? My hands are not involved in walking. 
but my hands don't go anywhere without the walking takes place. Right? My feet's not involved in eating. Okay? But if I don't eat after a while, my feet's not going anywhere. So, so we're all, all in this together. So we being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor what is evil, and cling to that which is good. Tonight we're going to be talking about the motivational gift of giving. And a lot of times, uh, there's some more folks come in, J.J. I don't know who all they were. Aaron and Dorita came in and some different ones. A lot of times when you start talking about giving, people get nervous. Many years ago, I was in a little group called the Congregational Methodists. at just a little small denomination. Uh, not too many of them left around anymore. But I remember one time at, at uh, one of the, their yearly conferences they have, one of the real popular preachers in the denomination got up to preach, and he said that he had come to find out that the main nerve in the Congregational Methodist Church is the one that runs to the billfold. As long as you leave that one alone, you're okay, but if you get on that one, you're in trouble. You know, he got unpopular for a little while. He did, because folks don't like you to talk about money. I know our pastor, he, he talks about we don't preach for money. We don't. But let me tell you something, folks. Money is as important in your life as water is. Nothing you have or do is not touched by money. Okay? So it should not be a nervous kind of thing for us to talk about. And people say, well, I don't like giving up this 10% of tithing. Now, actually, let me tell you something, folks. In tithing, you're not giving up 10%. You're holding on to 90. Better deal the government gives you. Right? So, anyhow, I want to go to the last page and look down at the very last thing there. We're going to do the last thing first. All right? What does it mean? What, what does it mean? There's a couple of words here that I want us to look at and think about. He said, giving, give with liberality, liberally. Right, that word give, and this is the teacher in me, I had to just show out a little bit, I guess, is the word mita didomia. Now, you know, when you think, well, why couldn't those Greek people just say give? You know, <laughs> I agree with you. But it means to give over. The word meta or meta means over and above. And uh, didodomai means to give. And what he's saying is that we, this, the motivational gift of giving will cause that giver to give over and above. Not just money. There's more involved in giving than just money. Okay? There's time. There's effort. There's love. There's care. But a person that has this given, whatever they give, they want to give over and above, not to be seen, and I'll get to that in a minute. And then liberality comes from the Greek word haplotos, which means sincerity, generously, and without pretense or hypocrisy. 
And that simply means this. You give with no strings attached. Regardless of what area you have, you give with no strings attached. I've known of people to get aggravated in the church, and they'll say, well, I, whenever I quit going and quit giving my money, it'll hurt them. I, I was reading Charles Stanley, and he said that they had a fellow in their church there in Atlanta where he pastored, and uh, he said he was a tremendous giver in that church. But there was a decision that they made that this guy didn't like. And he, told, he called the pastor and said, you know, y'all got to change that. And the pastor said, we can't change it because this is what the majority wants. He said, well, it's not right. He said, you got to change it. you got to change it. And he said, well, we can't do that. And the fellow said, well, i tell you what, then I won't be back. See what y'all do when I'm not giving my money. And Charles Stanley said, he told him, said, well, God bless you. Hung up, and he said, that following Sunday, they received the biggest offering in the history of that church. Now, what I'm saying is this. When you give, you don't give to manipulate whether it's a church body, whether it's an individual, or whatever it may be. But let's come back to the first page now, and I'll try to stay in line with this. Three general statements about giving that we want to make, and that is we are to give regardless of our situation in life. People say, I can't. Well, giving is not a ministry that's limited to those who have this gift. It's not that, you know... And uh, the person with this gift will desire to give regardless of the size of his bank account or the possessions he has. They find delight in giving, like the widow that gave it all. You know, Jesus and his disciples are sitting over by the treasury, and different ones coming in, dropping in their big gifts. And this widow woman come by and dropped in two mites, which would equal out today to about a half a penny. And Jesus said, she's gave more than all of them have. They said, how do you get that? She only gave two mites. And he said she gave all she had. She was willing to turn loose of what she had so that somebody could be blessed. And that's what giving's all about. All of us are commanded to give and to do it with liberality. Uh, we're to give our tithes faithfully to be, and to be generous in our offerings. Now, a lot of folks say, well, tithing's not for us in this day and time. I hadn't got time to go into that, okay? But I'm convinced that tithing is still a Bible doctrine. Abraham started it. Moses incorporated it in the law. It was practiced. Malachi, God said you're in trouble because you don't do your tithes and offerings. Jesus commended it when he told those Pharisees. He said you tithe uh, all your herbs and all of these spices. And he said, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. And he said, this you should have done. In other words, the weightier matters of the law, which is to love and justice and mercy. He said, you should have done this. Don't leave the other undone either. And then Paul talked about it. I talked about receiving tithe. So tithing's a Bible doctrine. But I, as far as i got time to go with that right there, okay? And a tithe, in case you know it, is a dime out of every dollar. And uh, so anyway, let me move on. Now, giving is not limited to money. Like I said, we can give time. Uh, a person that has this motivational gift of giving will find ways to give something to help the situation. It may be material. It may be encouragement. It may be love. Uh, and it may be just time to go and help do something or time to just go and sit. But they'll find a way to do it. 
and they'll do everything they can to help out with it. Uh, the gift, it may be material resources, time, talent, energy, or creativity. The gift, however, will be one that has value and what produces or conveys material benefit. In other words, if somebody needs a, uh, comes by and says, look, I sure do need a spoon. They're not going to try to run and find a plastic spoon to give them. They'll go to the silverware drawer and get out a good spoon to give them. That's the way they do. You know, most of us will say, well, y'all got a box of plastic spoons right here. Just give you the whole box. Well, that'd take care of it, wouldn't it? It's not the best you can do, and that's what it's talking about. Now, characteristics of this gift of giving, they generally have a keen ability to make wise investments and purchases in order to have more money to give. See, that's our purpose. That We ought to think about that. The reason why do I need money so I can get a, a bigger house, a bigger car, fancier clothes, nicer boat, more powerful gun, all of these things. Why do I need money? So I can have a big bank account and hold the tab up and show folks how much I got. Why do I need money? The purpose that we should have in having money is to give. Man, I tell you what. I believe there's, there's five priorities that we have in life. And I'll just hurry to say this. Our number one priority, and I can show you these, all these in the Bible, our number one priority is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with our Creator. That's number one. I don't care who you are, what you believe, where you come from, man, woman, boy, girl, atheist, monk, or whatever. Your number one priority is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with your Creator. There's no, there's no compromise on that. Uh, your number two priority is to have an intimate, personal, till death do you part relationship with your spouse, which is someone of the opposite sex, by the way, not a significant other. All right. That's number two priority. Your spouse is more important to you than your children or your grandchildren. Can I tell you this? Your home is more important to you than your job. All right. Number three priority is to have an intimate, personal, till they leave home relationship with our children. You mean when they leave home, I'm not to have a relationship with them? Not in the same way you did when they were at home. They started a new family. It's a new era. It's a new part of history. We told our children when they got married, look, tomorrow when you say I do, as far as we're concerned, you did. Gone. Out. We'll put up with the empty nest. We'll take care of that. Number four priority is to have an intimate, personal, till you retire relationship with your employer. Now, why would we call that number? By the way, number five is to have an intimate, personal, till the rapture takes place relationship with a local church. I've been preaching that for years, and I've been trying to live that for years because this is what I believe. But anyway, our work, why do we work? And most of us, when you work, <coughs> it looks like you spend more time at work <coughs> than you do at home, right? And now, don't that stink? You don't like that. Why do you work? Well, if that's, if that's the way it is, you've got to put it in priority. Why do I work? Because God said if you don't work, you don't eat. And that if you don't work and take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. So you work to honor God. You work so that your spouse and your children can have the things that they need so you can take care of them. And you work so that you can give to others. 
And in in, in Ephesians, he said, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands, that he may have to give to those that have needs. We should be wanting to have money so that we can give. Now, we live. We live off of it. But then we've got to be figuring out, I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver, if you've got that motivational gift. They're usually bargain hunters. They seek to save and invest in order to have more to give. They have a desire to give quietly so not to call attention to their sales. If somebody's always got to wave their $100 bill before they put it in the plate, they're not a giver. They're an attention giver. Okay? A giver is going to give, but they're not going to do it with such a, such a show that's going on. Uh, I've, I've run over my scriptures, but anyway, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, you guys are still not up there. If y'all would go to Matthew chapter 6, I'm sorry that I did this, but I did it. In Matthew 6, it said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward for your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, They have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So you do it not to be seen, not to get a name, not to get honor and glory, but to glorify God, and God's going to honor you. He'll do it openly. Take care of it. They do not respond to great pressure to give or to appeals by professional fundraisers. They want to give out of their motivation. They are already ready. In other words, I've been in, I've been in meetings in years past where it would take them an hour to take up the offering. By that time, I'm, I'm ready to go home. I'm serious. I've, I've, I've seen that. We had a fellow one time to come to our church in North Carolina. Larry Allen was his name little guy didn't stand but about that tall and preached about that tall. Anyway, he told me, uh, he came on Sunday night, he said, uh, he said, and I'll take the offering tonight. And I said, you sure? He said, yeah. And I said, okay. And he got up and he went on and on and on about offering, about the offering, about the offering, about the offering. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, our offering wasn't a whole lot that night. And the next day I met him and I told him, I said, Brother Larry said, the offering wasn't this much last night. I'll take care of it the rest of this week. I said, because our people are not ones to be prodded. So the rest of the week, I, I received the offering for the meeting. Just spent a couple of minutes talking about it, ministering a little bit about it, and received the offering. And uh, offerings just, I mean, escalated every night. Why? Because people want to give. But they didn't want to be made to give. I hate to be made to give, don't you? Now, God has made me give, but that's different. That's a different thing. And and whenever the Lord puts it on you to do that, uh, professional fundraisers, I just, boy, don't you just love it when they call you on the telephone? They're calling from somewhere overseas, can't hardly speak English, but they're calling for the local firefighters. Give me a break. They're usually eager to motivate others to give. And uh, they like to challenge others to give so the project can get done. They realize that the giving-receiving, giving-receiving cycle is rewarding 
And they want others to experience it too. Give and receive them. Give and receive them. See, that's, that's Scripture. Don't give to get, but you get because you give. I mean, that's just, that, that's the way that thing works. You know, people say, I don't believe in this thing about giving to get. Well, if you give and give right, you can't help it. It's going to happen. That's just a spiritual principle. It's one of those laws just as much as anything else is. And, and uh, so I don't think we need to give on Sunday mornings and then go around all week long and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Give, 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 give. No, I don't believe that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we get involved, I've said this a lot of times, when we get in God and God involved in God's financial plan, God will get involved in our financial plan. He'll work it out. So we need to, we need to remember that. Uh, and we give, like he said, Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Now that's right there and it's in red in, in my Bible. That means Jesus said that. Give. And it shall be given unto you. And he talked about how it would come, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you give, it shall be measured to you again. So uh, I've heard people say, well, that don't mean that. Well, I can't change the Bible, okay? I, I can't change it to read, give, and hope that something might come back. And if it don't, then you can just get by on bread and water. It's not what it says. So we need to realize that. Givers are usually eager to motivate others. I didn't talk about that, had not They have an ability to see financial needs that others may not see. They can see that when people are struggling or things are going on and they can uh, quickly calculate how much is needed for a project because they're good with, with that kind of thing. Number six, they often judge others on the basis of their giving, and that's something that givers don't need to do. Uh, they need to desire to gain wealth. They desire to gain wealth only to give away as much as possible in their lifetime. Pat Zonderman, he and his brother started Zonderman Corporation Publishing Corporation that published books and all of this thing, Bibles for years. And Pat Zonderman made it a goal that he was going to give away all that he had coming in except 10%. He'd live on the 10%, give away the 90 and I heard him say this myself, it took him 15 years to get to that point. But he came to that point to where that his personal income, he kept 10% and gave away 90. I'd like to be to that. And, and the thing about it was, he still was doing pretty good because he drove a Cadillac, had a yacht on 10%. That ain't too bad, is it? That sort of tells you how much that, that was going on. Uh they rely on the wise counsel of their spouses. In other words, a lot of times that, that these givers, they won't give unless it's okayed by headquarters, you might say. They're in agreement together on that thing. Uh, and here's one, one thing that, that's good about a giver. They get happy when what they give meets a need. Not just throwing it out there for some reason, but that it meets a need. Uh, and they desire to give gifts of high quality. And uh, they don't look for the cheapest or the most meager way to, to uh, meet a need. They want to give the best. Uh, in other words, they'll, they'll go and buy the, the brand name stuff instead of the store brand to give. Most of us say the store brand's good enough. They take joy in being a part of the ministry that they're giving to. 
And we use the storm around a whole lot at our house, too. Okay. <laughs> Some caution for a giver is that they must never become so overly concerned with material goods that they neglect the spiritual dimension of their lives. And this one thing a giver does, they get involved not in accumulating a whole bunch of stuff, but they're looking at the material things about how to help people and their spiritual life can be neglected. Uh, they must never con attempt to control the work of the ministry or life of another person through their giving. That's what we talked about to begin with. When you give, you release your gift to the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you give, whatever it is, and you give it to the Lord, it's no longer yours. You have no control over it or the person you give it to. It aggravates me, and I have to watch myself on this, to give money to somebody that I know they're not going to use it right. But I give it because God prompts me to. Now, what I do, I give it and say, okay, Lord, <laughs> let you take control of this, because if I don't, I know I would get upset about some of the things that I see. So when I give something, I remember uh, one Sunday, as a fellow pulled up right there in the church, got out of his van, he needed gas. I had a $20 bill in my pocket. And I gave him the $20 bill. Walked back towards the church grumbling. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, Now you'll never have to worry about having gas. I quit grumbling. <laughs> you know. But, but you can't manipulate people. You've got to release it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. I've heard people say, well, I want to know how our money is being used in church. Well, look, folks, once, once I give the money that Loretta and I give, it's no longer mine. I'm not responsible for it any, any more from that point on. And that's, that's the way that we need to look at it. If I give it to somebody, I'm not responsible for it from that point on. They, they must never expect someone else to give as generously as they do. In other words, they don't need to stand up and say, look, I gave $1,000 last month, and all y'all need to come along and give us out. No, 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 that's not right. One thing a giver will do if they become stingy with their family and won't meet their family's need because of meeting somebody else's needs, and that giver don't need to do that. They must also always remember to be thankful for they themselves receive. I can think of some people that are givers. Personality traits of a giver, they're thrifty. They'll not spend money unwisely. They're resourceful. They'll find ways to see a, and meet needs. They're contented. They will be contented with what they have. They're punctual. What they do, they want to do it now. They're tolerant. They can give and take in areas where others find it difficult to be flexible. Cautious. They will research carefully what they're giving. Thankful. They're thankful for what they have and the opportunity to use it to meet a need. Then children, characteristics of children with the motivational gift of giving. They're, they're very even in their disposition. And I know as we talk about these things with children, that you parents say, boy, I wish my child had that motivational gift. Uh, they love their toys and play with their toys, but they'll take care of them for years. I know Matt had little matchbox cars that he would fight Mark over nearly to, to, so he'd have them. And Matt... He still had some of those things when he got married. Kept them for a long time. 
Now, I'm not saying he has that motivational gift of giving, but a, a child that has that will hold on to their toys, and they'll do their best to take care of them. Uh, sharing's easy for them. You know, you don't have to teach a child that has a motivational gift of giving to share. They're going to share. They can express love and affection easily. They're good participants in athletics. They're industrious, and they show common sense. Any of y'all's children follow that last one down there? Maybe I could say they show common sense until they're teenagers. <laughs> and then it goes downhill for a few years. No. Now, let me let me let me come back again. I got just a couple of minutes. When we talk about giving, like I said, it's more than just money. But money's an important thing. You take like the church here. We have what we have because people give. And if you give, this is just as much a part of yours as it is anybody else's. That's the reason we can call it our church. And, and you know, and I want to encourage you. And I'm, Pastor hadn't asked me to say this, but I want to encourage you that if you don't tithe, start tithing. He said in Malachi chapter 3, Bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat on my table. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive. What I want you to see in that, he said, prove me. In other words, he said that when we bring our tithes, and I'm going to go ahead and say offerings, into the storehouse. Now, regardless who you are, young or old, if you have any kind of income, then you need to be tithing off of that. And uh, I, I think, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, I can't. I got, I'm on a fixed income. Well, and I understand that. I understand now at my point in life more than ever how about a fixed income, okay? Uh, there's no overtime in being retired. <laughs> Isn't that right, Ron? You don't, don't get no overtime because you settled into retirement. None at all. There's no extra work. Stuff don't come in extra. And all that kind of thing. But Loretta and I decided that we was going to let the Lord fix our income. Because he knows what we need. And he knows how to take care of things. He knows how to, to move in situations. And, and, and so we, we give and we learn to trust him to help us understand where the best deals are, the best things to do. Uh, now, does that mean that we use our money wisely all the time? I wouldn't be fool enough to tell you that we do, you know, because we're still, there's times that, you know, buy a candy bar or something. <laughs> but, but, you know, we want to and we endeavor to do that. But what I'm saying is this. We learned a long time ago that tithing is what God said to do. And he said, prove me with this. Put him to the test. And see if he won't do what he said. And he'll do what he said. Now, like I said, if you made $100 this week and you give $10 Sunday morning, I'm not telling you that there's going to be $300 come back to you next week. Okay? But I'm telling you this, it's a way of life that we commit and that we walk in. I promise you this, that when Loretta and I started tithing, 
We started, we did not start tithing regularly. We give what we could. I was pastor of the church. We give what we could. One thing I never did preach about up until that time was about money because I'd preach to myself if I did. But the Lord showed me that this was His way and His will. We committed to it in 1980. And uh, we had three small children. I was working at a carpet yarn factory in North Carolina, not making a lot of money. And I was pastoring the church, and they was doing what they could. But, I mean, when you pastor 20 people, you know, 25 people, there's not a lot of income coming in. And uh, I've never been in the ministry for the money anyway. But anyhow, we committed to tithing. And we would go to the grocery store to get our groceries. And sometimes we didn't have but $20 a week to spend for groceries. You say, well, Bill, back in 1980, you could buy a lot of groceries for $20. Yeah, but I'm talking about a family of five, okay? But we never went hungry. We never went without. God was always there. God always showed up. And God always worked. And when we started tithing, we were in terrible financial situation. And, uh, but God moved in there. And over a period of time, we began to come out of that and move to a better situation. But in all of this time, we made sure that when it comes Sunday, when we got to church, we were going to give our tithes because this is what God said. We brought it into his storehouse, and we proved him. And God came through. I asked a Jewish rabbi one day, share this with you and I'll close. I asked a Jewish rabbi one day, I said, what does that scripture mean to a Jewish man in Malachi 3.10? He said, it means this, that when I tithe, God's going to take care of me in my life. He said, that's the way us Jewish people look at that. When we tithe, God's going to take care of us. I'm not a Jew, but I'm telling you, God will take care of us. If you have the motivational gift for giving, of giving, don't back up from that. Do it. Find ways to do it. Don't neglect your family in doing it, but find ways to do it. And God will bless you on it. Okay? Now then, have opened up a Pandora's box tonight. Anybody got any questions or comments? I'm glad y'all ain't got tomatoes or apples or anything. <laughs>